Welcome to the Social Authority Podcast with Amy Schmidauer. That's me. This show is for you, a rising star in your industry, ready to produce your authority and share it with the world. Let's get started. I am stoked to have today's guest. I had already heard of her, but then I heard her on the Chris Ducker Show podcast, and I was so excited about hearing her on New Business Podcast because I was like, how do I get in this lady's life. And then I heard all this stuff on the Chris Ducker show and thought, okay, this is this is this is exactly what we need over at savvysexysocial.com. Today we have Robbie Kalman Baxter, who is the founder of Peninsula Strategies LLC, which is a management consulting firm. She's also the author of the Amazon hot new release in sales and selling the membership economy, which is what we're going to talk a lot about today. I'm very excited about this. And she actually coined this term membership economy, which is very popular right now because everyone's trying to replicate the Netflix model. So we're going to talk a lot about that. Thanks for being here, Robbie. Oh, thanks for having me, Amy. I'm glad to be here. Oh, I'm so excited you're here. So I heard you on Chris's show and there was value bomb after value bomb, which is what he likes to say. <laughs> and I thought, oh, this is fantastic. And just to give you a look, I think we've sort of looked into each other here and there, but I have a, a membership group and it is called Social Authority. And it's so funny because I'm always thinking like, how can I make this better? How can I make this more fun? Because this is truly where I shine in my business is working with these businesses in this group. And your consultancy has worked with some really amazing names. One of them already uh, dropped Netflix. You've actually worked with Netflix in your consultancy, as well as companies like SurveyMonkey and Yahoo and a bunch of other big, big names. Can you talk a little bit about how you have been helping these companies with their business model? Sure. Yeah. So I've been, I've been working with companies like this since um, I started working with Netflix, which was really the first of these membership subscription businesses. So yeah. for about 14 years now. And, um, you know, what I have really focused on is how you leverage this, this idea of membership. That's, mm -hmm. that's really what I'm focused on. And it, and it starts with a core, a core mission. The organization has to be really clear and really precise. So in the case of Netflix, it was about, giving you a variety of movies in the most efficient, cost-sensitive way possible. And they've been really focused on that. Um, and their offering continues to evolve, but that value proposition stays constant. And that's right. really what I'm trying to help organizations with, is how do you develop an ongoing formal relationship with your customers um, where the value stays constant even as the deliverables change? Absolutely. And it's so funny because at this point, the word membership is just thrown around like crazy. And for you to go back so far, and we've even seen Netflix sort of struggle in their way uh, a little bit, just navigating like, how do we continue to keep this interesting and fresh and exactly what our customers want? Because when you say membership, I mean, you, you're, it's such an inclusive word and it, it, it's something that you really don't want that to feel less valuable over time. Cause I feel like it's just being used, overused a little bit, but remembering that it's not just about creating a recurring revenue stream. It's about making these people feel so inclusive and a part of your brand, not just buying something from your brand. Right. So exactly. 
Yeah. It's, Sorry. it's about, it's, it's membership is a mindset. That's yeah. what I always say. Subscription is a pricing decision, but membership is really about how you as an organization are choosing to treat your customers. Um, yeah. and, and it has obligations on both sides, as, as you said. And I love that you said you're always trying to think about how do you make it more fun? How do you make it more relevant? How do you make it more useful? And so what you're doing keeps evolving because otherwise people are going to get bored and they are going to drop off and stop paying. Um, and that's the worst thing that can possibly happen because right. if somebody that you've spent a lot of you know, effort and money to, to bring into your community, into your membership program, and then you lose them – you might not even, you know, you might, you're not going to generate very much revenue and they're going to feel violated if, right. if they come in and say, you know, I, I joined this group and it actually ended up not being that good. It was really good for the first month. They're, they're going to spread that word and it's going to make it harder for you to bring in the kind of people you want. So much harder. And to that point, I mean, if you're actually, and you know a lot more about this than I do, cause you could, you've seen it in a lot of different uh, size businesses and in a lot of different scales, but just what it takes to acquire a new customer versus what it takes to retain somebody. And for a lot of business models, that just means getting the second and third sale. But when it's a Netflix membership type of model or whatever, whatever other example you'd like to use, you know, retaining them is just as simple as, you know, ease of use and continued, um, great customer service. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. And so the problem is retention's not sexy, mm, right? Um, or maybe you make it, you probably make it. Sexy. Uh, you know, what's so funny about that. <laughs> I talk a lot about retention and I say sexy a lot. So maybe I've figured it out, but probably <laughs> not because that retention in all forms, people don't actually think that much about it. And, and maybe brands as well. Uh, YouTube is a yeah. good example of that. People just want to pop on video and start talking. They don't realize that the first second through the last second matter at every moment has to keep somebody excited and keep them in or otherwise they will leave. It's the same thing. And if you lose somebody early, you don't end up making as much money, both in the length of your video and the length of a membership. Yeah. And you're actually wasting your money because as, as you pointed out, acquisition is way more expensive than retention. And so when I, you know, and I've, I've like, as we said, I, I you know, I, I uh, worked with Netflix, but I've also worked with a lot of um, SaaS companies that are B two B that that sell an ongoing you know access to software. I've worked with um, pro professional associations and nonprofits. I've worked with thought leaders like you on how do we? They all are dealing with the same issue of how do we build this ongoing formal paid relationship with our members. And I always tell them, figure out retention before you invest a nickel in acquisition. If you aren't confident that the next customer that you bring in is going to stay for a long time, don't bother with you know, your social media. Don't bother with your outreach. Don't offer anything to get them to come in and try it. Because if you're not going to retain them, you're wasting your money. Absolutely. So I, I kind of want to ask one question. I, it, it, it's getting really like kind of deep in the weeds, but I think that we see this a lot in tech people who are um, using, you know, any, any online platform, you know, you, you're approached with, okay, Hey, we are a paid platform. So we would like you to pay monthly, or we would like you to pay uh, this great rate for an entire year and you will get access for a whole year. Mm -hmm. Do you see there, uh, there to be opportunities? I think, for the company that's offering the discount for a whole year, it's um, it's obviously appealing to the company and it's appealing to the customer as well because they can save a little bit of money. But if they're not really sure yet, they may not make that commitment. I wonder if there's something different that brands are doing and maybe you would advise against that 
they're excited to get that yearly customer. So they're like, oh, we got the yearly customer. So they're good to go. They're good to go for a long time. They're, they're already in. Like, we don't have to worry about them. But these monthly customers, you know, we need to really focus on. So they stay month over month over month. And we got to keep that money coming in. Do you think that there's anything... I guess, pertinent that you could be doing in both cases or in one or the other so that you're not forgetting that the yearly customer and making sure the yearly customer comes back is just as important as the monthly. Do you know what I'm saying? No, totally. And I would just go out on a limb here and say annual is better in almost (laughs) every case. Totally. Um, And that every organ, you know, anybody who's listening out there, if you have both a monthly model and an annual model, you want to augment and build and and invest in your annual customers. Um, Because because they're your best cause. They're the ones that understand your value proposition. They're the ones that are going to drive you to continue to be on the cutting edge of your offerings. The ones that are there monthly are going to maybe stay for two or three or four months. They're going to be looking for a bargain or they're looking for a point solution. Like I have this one problem and then I'm going to go. Um, and I have an interesting story. You know, I worked with um, SurveyMonkey um, when they were working on their their tiered pricing model, and they actually decided to, they had always, you know, SurveyMonkey had been on a, um, with everybody on a monthly model, you could either do uh, $20 a month or $200 a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had both. And they ended up realizing that the people that were monthly were only staying for, you know, three, four months. They had a very different mindset than the annuals. They were different people with yeah. different objectives. And what they ended up doing, which is so interesting, is they dumped the monthly program and they said, okay, for $200 a year, um, you know, you get the annual program. So that is better than $20 a month. And like premium, because I know from my experience with SurveyMonkey, it's it's very restrictive, although I also think kind of really nice of them, what they do give you totally for free. Yeah, yeah, they have a free offering. And then the $200 a year offering is great and rich and is what used to be the $20 a month offering. So that's Mm. 40 bucks less. They said, look, instead of a $20, we're gonna introduce a $200 a year offering. And anybody who they lost was somebody that wasn't committed to SurveyMonkey as an ongoing tool. And then they added a $300 a year offering and an $800 a year offering. So you can see that the way they're investing is not, you know, when you invest at the monthly level, you're really saying, I'm investing at the entry level. And what you really want to be doing is investing in your very best customers who are on the other side. Oh, that's really interesting. Oh, gosh, I have like so many thoughts from that. So that's I mean, because when you think about it, we're talking about SurveyMonkey and on the very basic level, um, you know, uh, oh, I just want to ask my friends what they think about a few things. I mean, somebody so basic could be doing that. And then you have a business that might actually be surveying customers and then not be completely all in. But it is interesting. And I would like to know what you think about um, overall turnover and churn. It, SurveyMonkey having maybe a two and three month uh, drop off. So I think I've heard that like it's roughly um, maybe maybe from my business business membership uh, consultancy friends that the average uh, for them on a monthly rate is usually between like five and seven months. And that actually sounds long to me because I think people can get distracted very quickly in their businesses and say, I don't really need this information anymore and go. But the people that end up at the yearly rate are all in and they show up to every live training or whatever the offering is. And that's interesting because it's, it's, it's so much of a different mindset, like you said. And it's the, I, I always like 
to talk about Michael Port and his red vo- red velvet rope policy. And it sounds like Survey Monkey put in the most major red velvet rope policy of all time for a survey company because you're saying, look, you're either in this and you need everything or you don't. You're going to start at 200 and we go up from there. But if you just need a 10 question survey, then go, go, just go ahead and try it. You might as well try it because you're going to love it. Right, right, exactly. And what, what you really, what you really, you know, if, if you really want to be specific and understand how the different pieces fit in your model. Mm. So for, for many organizations, um, the monthly can be, you can say, this is our trial. Um, and we have to charge for it because we have, maybe we have fixed costs or we uh. have to charge for it because we don't want anybody in our community that's not willing to pay because that's not the kind of person right. we want or whatever. You might have a reason for that. Um, but you don't want to get confused about where your real business is coming from. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of organizations kind of get muddy there. Mm, yeah. So, so if you look at like SurveyMonkey, they have a free offering, right? And a huge percentage of the people who use SurveyMonkey use that free subscription that sure. you were talking about. Like, oh, I want to ask my friends, you know, who wants to do what this weekend. Right. Um, but then, you know, the people who are their best customers are, you know, for the most part, enterprise organizations that are using this as their online research tool. And so they continue to develop products and services and experiences for that group. Mm, yeah. You know, interesting. And, yeah. So that's, that's sort of the, you know, what, what, with any, or, you know, with, with someone like you, you know, you, you would be thinking about, you know, who are my best members? Who are the ones that are really committed to growing their business? Who are really committed to learning? Who are thinking about this as kind of a lot, like they want to stay with you as long as Amy can stay ahead of them and keep teaching them stuff. They want to keep learning from exactly, you. Exactly. Exactly. That's a really good point. I kind of want to switch gears because this is the marketing lifestyle show. And I know that I got in the weeds. They're very selfish. I have a membership group. But in terms of marketing, I would love your opinion. I think a lot of businesses not only get muddy about who their target customer truly is that will send their brand to the level that they really should be at, uh, but they also get muddy about how to market something like this or really anything, but specifically Mm -hmm. a a membership group where so many times we see people be very feature heavy in how they talk about what they're selling. And, and, and I want to hear, you know, your thoughts on that and what you've seen in your experiences when we all know that what gets the sale is the experience and, and, uh, and the takeaways and the benefits that people are going to get out of something, not necessarily you're going to get a video in the mail or or online with your streaming service. I'm like thinking of Netflix like 80 years ago, you know, you're going to get this, you know, every week or whatever it is, those features versus what it actually does for you. Right. So, so you're talking about marketing here and the, you know, what is different about marketing a membership as opposed to marketing a transaction? And, you know, the, the biggest difference I think is that you need fewer members to come in and you need them to stay for longer. Right. So that has a whole bunch of implications for marketers. The the first one is that retention um, becomes almost a more important activity for the marketer than acquisition. Totally. And so when you think about organizations, so often I come into a company that's trying to figure out membership and they're telling me, we need to get our acquisition numbers up. And I'm like, no, you don't. You need to get your retention number up. And you need to apply some of your marketing power toward building engagement. Um, and, and also, you know, so you want to build loyalty among your existing members. And then you also want to enable them and encourage them and teach them to bring in like-minded people. So in most membership models, referrals are critical to marketing. Mm. 
So like if I think about your your membership, people that have already had the experience of what you talked about how it's about the experience. Right. People have already had the experience are the best people to sell what you're doing. I call them super users mm. and they're great members or great customers, but they go beyond that because they're act, they're actively helping to onboard new members. They're actively um, providing content and information for existing members. So participating actively in forums right. or conversations. And the third thing is they're actively giving feedback to the organization itself. So they're saying, you know what, Amy, you know what I would love? I would love if you provided a weekend experience where we could all go away and talk about X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Or, you know what I wish you would do? I wish you would do a one-hour special deep dive into retention. Um, so that's those super users are really the, the key lever for marketers that are working in a membership organization. I love that. I, I love that you said that. It's funny. I was actually on um, a Periscope last night with James Wedmore. He's another uh, video guru and he has a membership group and he was sort of talking about what they do to retain customers. And that was definitely um, a, a really big point that he brought out, not just in the retention thought process, but well, not in the acquisition process part specifically, but specifically for retention, shining the light on the members and saying, mm -hmm. you are freaking special. <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> being here. Let's talk about why you're so great. And specifically in my group, that's, that's great because we're talking about a membership group about taking your business to the next level. So if you're really doing that, I need to shed light on that for a couple of reasons. One, I want everyone to know that somebody is getting something out of this offering. So if you're not, then like, how can we fix that? But two, it makes that member feel so special that they're continuing to grow. There's still information for them to learn from, but they have taken, they have taken the, the learning and the discovery and they've implemented it and they've done something with it. And yeah. so that benefits everyone. It benefits me, strokes my ego a little bit, helps the super yeah. user. And it lets everybody else know like, God, what a highly qualified group that we have yes. here. And well, that's a huge deal for the members, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all about status. So if you think about like if we move into sort of the world of psychology and mm -hmm. you've got Maslow's hierarchy of needs from the 1940s, right? This idea that once your physiological needs have been met, you know, food and shelter and all that, um, we want to mitigate risk. We want to feel like we belong and we want to be held in high esteem by our peers, mm -hmm. right? And ultimately we're all moving towards self-actualization and, you know, fulfilling our human potential. Right. But, you know, you get to that, that, you know, after belonging is esteem. You want to be recognized by other people like you, family, friends, colleagues, where they say, gosh, Robbie is really awesome. She's part of Amy's community. So Amy's community must be really awesome or vice versa. You know, Amy's really awesome. Robbie's part of her community. Robbie must be cool. Mm -hmm. And so good membership organizations understand that and that, you know, these, these human needs are really core to why people join and why they stay. I love that. It, it's just this huge testament to something that I, I feel like I always try to preach is you cannot underestimate how powerful it is to be a connector because being a connector yeah. can, can mean so many things. It doesn't matter if you're pointing somebody else, uh, pointing somebody in your community to somebody else's great work. 
if you don't have something, point someone to someone else's great work because it means you know what's going on. You're on the cusp of information. You are a thought leader when you make yourself associated with the right people. So I, that's such a huge testament to that. I want to talk about your book, The Membership Economy. I'm so excited to pick this up. I'm bummed I haven't read it yet. My full intention was read the book. <laughs> I have to read this book because it's it's so important to me uh, to, to really soak up this information. Um, and congratulations on all the success with the book. But can you talk a little bit about who you're really talking to in the membership economy and um, what probably the biggest takeaways when they pick it up will be? Yeah. So this is a great book for people who are trying to um, increase revenue and profitability in their businesses, people that are focused on growing and staying current and by using principles of membership. So in the book, um, I actually uh, talk to several different groups and use case, I have probably 50 different case studies in the book. Um, everything from mom and pop businesses, solopreneurs to um, nonprofits like the AARP, the National Restaurant Association, mm. um, companies out here. I'm in Silicon Valley. So, you know, companies like we've talked about, you know, Salesforce, SurveyMonkey, sure. and so on. Um, and then also big traditional companies. So I talked to the former CEO of Weight Watchers and the you know people at T-Mobile, um, Starbucks, uh, Caesars Entertainment. You know the the big uh, yeah. um, you know in Las Vegas mm -hmm. uh, uh, entertainment company. Um, so very very broad range of organizations, but all with these same challenges around building this long term formal relationship with customers that results in a recurring revenue stream. And so, you know, I don't care what the organization is. If that's what your model is or if that's what you want your model to be, I can help you. And it doesn't matter if you already have that model or if you're trying to implement it side by side with your existing transactional model. So, like, um, Intuit is a company that has moved from a transactional model to a subscription model. Um, and I'm working with some companies right now that are trying, trying to do that, so expanding what they do. Um, it really doesn't matter to me, the book was designed to be a real how-to for organizations looking to get into the weeds of, you know, how do you build that kind of relationship? How do you think about pricing? How do you do acquisition? How do you do retention? What kind of people and skills do you need to be successful? And can I see some examples of organizations that are doing this well? I, I'm so excited to read this. I guess I have one final question for you. Just taking into consideration the all the organizations you spoke with and and your just experience at Peninsula, what do you feel like is the resounding continual mistake that's being made? Is it just overlooking retention uh, over acquisition, or is there something about retention that everyone seems to be missing that is like? just clutch, just the thing that is going to make your membership stand out? So I, I think that the obvious, you know, I think that a lot of companies are so focused on what's in it for them mm, yeah, that they don't provide something that meets an ongoing need for their customers. Mm. And so they're effective maybe at, at selling it and then they don't, they don't retain. And so it's not really, you know, retention is the symptom but the problem is they're not providing ongoing, evolving um, experiences that drive continuous value. Wow. 
Oh my goodness. So much information there. I think that this just, this doesn't even, I don't even know what this does. I feel like it scratched the surface and it also got like super deep. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's like just, just really amazing information. I, I, I think about this all the time just because of how it's funny how it's accessible. A lot of things are now because of the membership economy, something as simple as, you know, we all wanted to be professional video editors back in the day with YouTube. And some of us couldn't access Final Cut Pro or the Adobe products because we didn't want to drop a ton of money on a, on a program we didn't know. And now I have access to one of the best, you know, video editors on the planet because I'm in their membership. I'm in their creative suite and I can access all their other stuff. And that's just a fine example of how this philosophy and economy is completely changing business and making more opportunities for us to be better versions of our business by um, having these customers in a long-term way. So valuable. And I'm very excited for everybody to check out the membership economy. I'm probably going to be recommending it for the Savvy Sexy Social Book Club because it's got to get on the calendar. So that's usually how (laughs) I make myself read something. And so I highly encourage everybody to check it out. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. Amy. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Robbie. OMG, you guys. Robbie Kelman Baxter, The Membership Economy. Go pick up the book. I will link to it in the show notes. Definitely sending that one out to the Savvy Sexy Social Book Club. It has been decided. I am just listening to that interview back, taking more and different notes. Speaking of that, if you want my top five takeaways from this discussion, especially if you're thinking about the recurring revenue model in your business, go check out the show notes. There will be a link there for a free PDF download, just in case you like to maybe print stuff out, put it on your desk or save it in your Evernote for later when you're planning this kind of stuff. Get my top five takeaways from this conversation. Download it. All the info at SavvySexySocial.com. Just tap that artwork and find the link there. Big shout out to our bandwidth sponsor, AWeber.com. If you go to SavvySexySocial.com slash AWeber, you will get 60 days for free. You guys know I don't trust anyone else with my email marketing. AWeber is dabomb.com. This has been the Social Authority Podcast. If you are ready to take your social authority to the next level, maybe those social media tips are nice. But how are they actually working as a part of your business? Are you getting those referrals for engaging online? We talk about all of this in Social Authority Membership. Go to socialauthoritymembership.com to find out more about how you can become a member of this amazing community. It's where I do my best work. The videos, the podcast, my fun work, my best work, socialauthoritymembership.com. Thanks for listening as always, and we will see you on the next one.